welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, former chronic illness sufferer turned trusted health practitioner. My passion is helping people to identify and address the root causes of their symptoms through my online business, Viva Natural Health. If you're struggling with confusing or stubborn symptoms that just won't go away despite your best efforts, then you're in the right place. If I can heal from a long list of symptoms and conditions, including cystic acne, hair loss, severe food reactions, and brain fog, then you can heal too. Stay tuned for weekly episodes that share expert guest interviews, Q&A, and solo episodes that are all intended to help you wherever you're at on your healing journey. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only, and it's not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're all having a good day, whatever you're up to. Today I am joined by Claire Doherty to discuss subjects including medical intuition, somatic therapy and psychedelics and how they could potentially help you to heal. Claire Doherty is a transformational coach and intuitive guide. She combines science and spirituality, helping her clients discover where they're out of alignment, both physically, emotionally, energetic, or mentally. And she is passionate about supporting her clients to unlock their full potential and truly shine by guiding them to reconnect with their bodies, tap into their innate power and heal. That is a big focus and emphasis that she places on this podcast, how we are so disconnected from our intuition. So many of us go from practitioner to practitioner, protocol to protocol, without really checking in and listening to our own bodies, which often has a lot of wisdom and answers because our body knows best. Our body knows, we know our body better than anyone else, even the best health professionals in the world. And I'm always telling my clients to listen to what they're craving but there's a little caveat with that because as I showed in the episode if you have severe gut dysbiosis or parasites or you're sleep deprived you're probably going to be craving a lot of quick sugar and cookies and biscuits and that could not that might not be a true intuitive message from your body so in the episode we discuss how to tell the difference between your intuition versus ego or anxiety the different archetypal patterns, um, which are behaviors that can manifest as symptoms and illnesses and life challenges. And we give a few examples for digestive stuff, hormonal and fertility stuff, and skin-related issues. If you're dealing with something like acne and eczema, how this can be related to you having physical barrier issues, um, emotional barrier issues, and not wanting to be seen and not having your true self be shown, which is very interesting. And how having leaky boundaries can lead to leaky gut so many pearls of wisdom like that throughout the episode she shows how to strengthen our intuition which i found really interesting because i would love to be and i'm trying to be more intuitive and it's definitely a process but all of us are intuitive we can sometimes just need to work a little bit harder or some people it's a little bit easier for them we discuss common blocks and behavioral issues that people have and how they can lead to bad behavioral patterns, whether that's over-exercising or being really lazy when it comes to the gym or not being able to stop smoking. We discuss the difference between 
co-creating with our reality and manifestation. I thought they were the same thing, but it turns out that they're not. Claire discusses alternate states of consciousness and how things like psychedelics can help with healing. She shows a little bit about her experience as well and how somatic therapy differs from conventional talk therapy. And with things like CBT, they make us go back to our childhood traumas and things that have happened in the past. But Claire is very against that with her clients. She doesn't think that it's that effective. It can actually re-traumatize people. So she prefers to focus on the here and now and be mindful and just work on the, the future and also the current moment without having to dig up all of those old wounds and traumas which would be amazing for some people because they hold off from therapy because they don't want to go back to relive certain issues and stresses that have happened previously. So having a tool belt with all different tools like Claire does can make it so that so many more people can start to heal and work on this energetic, emotional balance, which I wish I had dove into a little bit sooner than I did. People often leave it to the last thing that they turn to when they've tried all the different diets and supplements, they're finally like, right, I'm willing to do anything. And that's often where they get a lot of the healing from because it's easy in comparison to change your diet or take a pill. It's more difficult to go through some of this stuff, but it's it pays off for everyone who does it. And yeah, you want to focus on health holistically and not just hyper-focus in one area. So I really think you're going to love this episode, love Claire and her work, her website and social media, etc. will be linked in the show notes if you want to check her out after the episode. But let's get into it. I won't leave you waiting any longer. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I know we've already had a chat. We had a we scheduled a little call because basically how I found Claire is that I was looking through. We have a, a practitioner facebook group it's the bant british association for nutritional therapy group it's like practitioners all supporting each other and product recommendations and therapist um referrals and i was looking for someone who works in somatic therapy and i just kept seeing Claire's name popping up over and over again so i was like who is this woman like i need to chat with her i need to find out a little bit more because i've got lots of pretty much every client who needs to do some sort of energy emotional spiritual work so it would be good to have someone in the UK to refer to but I was chatting with you on the call and yeah I realized that you're a nutritionist as well but I would love for you to even for my benefit go back through your career history and how you got to where you are today as a transformational coach and intuitive guide. Well, uh, so I, I, I originally trained as a physio, went to uni and, and um, did a degree in, in physio back in the 90s. And then probably about 15 years ago, I did a master's in health ergonomics, which was psychology based. And that's where I first um, kind of got into behavioral change in depth, I suppose. And then I trained as a nutritional therapist at ION um, not that long ago maybe four years ago now um it might have been when so i graduated in oh 2017 i was at cnm college of naturopathic yeah Medicine. um so yeah it might have been around the same time yeah it was around the same time i think it was might have been 2018 i graduated um and at the same time i was doing that i studied medical intuition i then kind of had all these ideas and different um 
tools that I was using and I I, I went through that thing where I was kind of like, well, what do I want to do? Because I, I, a bit of bit of body work, a bit of nutrition, a bit of behavioral change, a bit of intuitive kind of spiritual guidance. And I thought, actually, I'm just going to put it all together. And um, when clients come to me, I will just, you know, use whatever tool I think is right for them. And so that's how I got to be doing what I'm doing. And, and, and really my love of... Um, behavior and understanding the psyche is is kind of why I am where I am today I love to understand how people work Mm -hmm. and have you always been quite spiritual or did you have some sort of spiritual awakening at any point uh both really so when I was younger I definitely was and then I kind of you know typical story I suppose it it fell off the wayside a little bit my you know physio is very evidence-based um and very empirical so you know, there's lots of, um, um, you know, scientific basis for everything that we do. And so I, I, it kind of fell to the wayside. And then when I was, I used to be a triathlete. So I used to do Ironman races. And um, I became really, really unwell when I was doing that. So it was probably about 10 years ago. Um and that's when I decided, actually, I'm probably going to st- study nutritional therapy. Um, and my life just drastically changed. And um, I would say it wasn't until I kind of addressed my patterns and I fell back onto what I had learned a long time ago that everything started to drastically improve for me. So I, I kind of I went through this probably about a three-year period of what I'd call a dark night of the soul where everything was really falling apart just so that I could put it back together in a different way that was more supportive for me so and can you are you happy to share some of your um, patterns that you had that caused some of these Mm. behaviors or just yeah 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 absolutely have that lead to things like binge eating um over or under exercising not being able to stop smoking yeah so um I was definitely an over-exerciser. I have got a, um, I've definitely got a predisposition towards addictions. Um, and I was an over-exerciser. And, and I love that's it. genetic or do you feel like that's like um, um, kind of no. programming from parents, seeing parents in certain um, So So addictions typically come from a place of not wanting to feel your feelings and low self-esteem. And so we mask that by engaging in something that gives us a dopamine hit. And, you know, exercise does that. You get that runner's high, you get that cycling high. Um, And I I just pushed myself more and more and more and more. I had, um, I gave my accountability and my power to other people. So I worked with somebody who is a a nutritionist. I had a coach. and I would do what they told me instead of listening to my body. So even when I was really tired, I didn't have much energy, I would still eat what I was being told I should eat. I was still doing the exercise you know, um, plan that I had been given because I wanted to be accountable. Um, and so I had this pattern of rigid thinking. I had this pattern of addiction. I had this pattern as well of wanting to be kind of like the golden girl and, and you know, the teacher's pet and, and, and get top marks for kind of ticking the box and doing everything that was given to me. And so combined, that really tipped me over the edge because I wasn't actually listening to my body. I was kind of um, pushing through it. There's, a, there's this mentality and endurance 
um, exercise that you just have to grit your teeth and harden up and push through it and ignore, you know, anything that your body is telling you, which is what I did. Um, and interestingly, this kind of it started as um, I kind of had this pain, this tennis elbow in my left elbow. And um, I'd studied acupuncture yeah, many years ago. And um, I kept thinking, oh, this is this is related to my small intestine. It's on my small intestine meridian. And that was it. I didn't think anything more of it. And it kind of kept coming and going. And then I developed these digestive issues and I didn't sort of link them together. And it was only kind of about 18 months after that, that I become really, really unwell. And I was diagnosed with SIBO. And of course, it made perfect sense. My body was trying to tell me through this meridian, actually, you know, your small intestine's not happy. You're, you're overdoing it. Um, but I ignored it until my digestive problems were really, really um, quite severe. And, um, you know, intestinal issues such as dysbiosis and SIBO are often related to having poor boundaries and giving our power away, not trusting ourselves. And all of these things were happening to me because I used to be a people pleaser. So I used to sort of be that person that would do everything for everyone else at my expense because I thought that actually that's what would make people like me of course that was subconscious I didn't realize that I was doing it at the time until I just you know uh, took myself out of that situation and, and kind of sat with it um, and so I had all these patterns to unpick and all the time my body had been trying to tell me um, but I hadn't been listening to it it's usually how it goes and for me SIBO was one of the first things I was diagnosed with or heard about and I was like oh, this is the answer all I need to do is like kill all these bugs that are taking over my body um and very like victim mentality why me um and then I focused on that for so long and it like for a lot of people improves then it comes back yeah, it has such yeah. a high relapse rate yeah. and for me I did a lot of the physical stuff I really restricted my diet went on these low FODMAP um SCD specific carbohydrate diets and pretty much like carnivore at one point it was just crazy and I was like why does this keep coming back and then when you kept, when you look a little bit deeper and work on underlying stress um you can get over it but kind of indirectly you don't focus yeah. on the problem you just focus on this holistic health yeah um, and I'd love to know because you are aware of the the nutrition side of things and if someone's eating highly inflammatory foods like really highly processed sugar laden foods then that's a risk factor for SIBO so how much with your clients is physical versus emotional uh, energetic I would say so I'm somebody that I, I when I see somebody saying this is the answer to your you know you just need this one thing that is a big red flag to me because I don't think that there is one thing and I think it depends on the person. So somebody can have the best diet in the world, um, but they're not in alignment in behaviorally and emotionally. And so that's what they need support with. And then you can have other people that have got the worst diet in the world, but they're in alignment, you know, emotionally. So it's a it's a difficult question to ask and I think it depends on the individual often there's an element of both because um what happens within us is happening outside of us and each is a mirror of each other so if you're not if you're not um, nourishing yourself and honoring yourself 
with foods that are supportive for you and for your body, then you're probably doing other things in your life that, you know, are violating your own boundaries and aren't honouring you either. And so you probably need you probably need to tweak both, if I'm honest. And with your clients as well, you said earlier, it's really important to tune inwards and listen to your intuition. How do you manage that with your clients, though, in terms of you giving nutrition advice, and but then also telling them to like listen to themselves? You just have to give a, a basic overview and then they take it off and try and implement what feels right for them? Um, I don't. So most of my clients aren't nutrition clients anymore. But when I do get nutrition clients, I am very much work in a partnership with people. So I suggest things that would be supportive based on evidence or based on things that have helped other clients of mine. Um, and then I listen to what the client likes or doesn't like or what they feel that they could implement. So Again, it depends. Some people really want structure. They want to be told, just tell me what to eat and I'll, you know, tell me how to change and I'll, I'll go and do that. And other people um, want a little bit more flexibility with that and want to find their own way through. So again, it's I, I kind of have this approach that's very individual depending mm -hmm. on the person that I'm working with. Yeah, that's really good. And what about the client themselves? How do they know the difference between a truly intuitive message versus self-sabotage oh, right. okay. and anxiety so this, saying yeah. maybe um, a big one is with intuitive eating I yeah, hear yeah, people yeah. just say intuitively eat but I always think if you've got raging candida overgrowth or um your blood sugar is like all over the place you're just going to want sugar oh yeah 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 so I think I think intuitive eating is a really confusing term um, so your intuition is always neutral. It's not, it doesn't feel frightening. There's no fear with it. it it's just very, very neutral. So um, it will just land in you. And it's normally the first thing that you get before you take it to your head and overanalyze it and then change your mind. Um, and so um, that's how I would direct my clients. I think when people talk about intuitive eating, they um, sometimes assume what you've just said, um, which is listening to your cravings. So that's very, very different. And also we've got different types of intuition. You've got a local intuition, which is the intuition that you learn from all the knowledge that you absorb and take in over the years. So if somebody is well-versed on, um, you know, different types of gut bacteria or dysbiosis and how that drives their cravings, they're probably more likely to realize that actually they're craving sugar because that's part of, what's going on for them rather than that's because what their body needs i mean some people will argue that actually those bacteria or that yeast need sugar and so when you eat that you are actually feeding that bacteria so that is still part of your intuition although it's probably not supporting you overall okay. um and so you know your local intuition we've all got local in, we've all got intuition anyway but local intuition is that intuition that you um, develop over time you know you can naturally draw on it when a client comes to you you, you often kind of know oh they've got you know that I'm 99% sure they've got SIBO or I'm 99% sure they've got you know x or y going on that's your local intuition that you're drawing on and then we normally hold that up against you know certain um, structures maps or models to try and prove or disprove our, our theory and then we've got local uh, non-local intuition which is when we kind of connect in with something outside of ourselves. So um, Jung would call that the collective unconscious, or some people call this the transpersonal realms, where actually um, 
getting advice and guidance from something that doesn't actually exist within us. And that will be advice or guidance that we haven't actually learned. So if, if, you know, I'm with a client and I'm connecting with them energetically and I'm getting information about a certain energy center or, you know, chakra in their body, if you want to call them chakras, um, I haven't, I don't know that because I haven't learned that about that person. They're just sitting in front of me. Um, and so that's information that I'm receiving from outside of myself. So um, I think that there's different ways of accessing that intuition, depending on which intuition that you're using. And I think that term intuitive eating is um, is misperceived quite a lot. And is yeah. there were ways so if there's you give like a health professional example, and I can totally relate to getting a client on a call and just with what they're saying and the health history, I keep getting these messages through and I make a note of them and then maybe we'll do lab testing to confirm um, or quiz a little bit deeper. But what about just the average person? Let's say they're struggling with a health issue at the moment and they're trying to tap more into the intuition. Um, But because like for so many of us, we get skewed, we get so many different conflicting advice from doctors and then naturopaths or the media, they just don't know what to believe. So are there any practices or tools someone could use to start like tapping back into the yeah. intuition again? Yeah, so basically I normally um, guide people to start a daily practice where they're just sitting quietly and they just ask, you know, what what does my body want to share with me today? And you, you can do a body scan. So you just start at your feet and, and you move up your body and you just see what's landing in you. And for a lot of people, there are sensations and a lot of people that have got health issues that have been getting advice from different places, there can often be a, a level of anxiety. And even that anxiety is, is a messenger. It's telling us that, you know, we might feel helpless or we might be afraid of what's going on. Um, and, and I also say to people that there's nothing wrong with getting help because even though we all have intuitive hits and guidance, a lot of the time it doesn't mean that we can sort ourselves out without having any support and so it's really important that people realize that that when we're talking about listening to our bodies and being guided by our bodies we're not necessarily meaning that you don't need to go and seek help or advice from a professional like yourself um and I think that's really really important mm-hmm. yeah people like that could be a, a thing as well that stem from childhood or traumas in the history they feel like they have to do it all oh themselves, yeah like control freak um type tendencies which i can relate to yes, <laughs> i'll figure it out I'll, it'll, it'll be cheaper if i just like research all day yeah. and create my own protocol yeah. but yeah after yeah. years of failed uh, yeah. experience that it just doesn't work out that way yeah and and, and you know so not asking for help is is a is a trauma-based behavior and often it doesn't even enter people's heads that they can ask for help or that that's a thing um because subconsciously they've got this belief that either um they shouldn't ask for help or that nobody will help them anyway or if they ask somebody to help them um they'll be denied it or that help won't be effective and you know we can get so used to being so fiercely independent that we forget you know we forget to be open to that possibility and that that just signing up with someone can start the heal, like can give them a kick and they actually start to feel better just letting that pressure off. Um, I've had so many times people just like finally make an investment and sign up to one of my packages and they're like, I already feel less anxious, like my digestion's better. 
and yeah it's just that energy exchange a lot and investing mm. in yourself and yeah. that you're worth it and you deserve to heal um did you see that as a common problem like people saying that they want to heal but it's actually truly that limiting belief they don't want to get better so you know some people won't heal because um we can get attached to the the benefits if you like of being unwell or or of a diagnosis um and you know i'm of the mind where i think that a diagnosis isn't good or bad i think it's both for some people it brings them lots of help and lots of support and peace of mind and for other people it can keep them restricted and and, and trapped in a belief that is limiting but um when we when we get so used to being unwell we can develop these kind of unconscious patterns of behavior which we use to manipulate other people now we're not aware we're doing this but you know we can get so used to people helping us or doing things for us or giving us attention that actually the thought of getting better and no longer having that can actually be quite frightening for people um particularly because the more dependent we become on people um we can we can start to feel helpless and so that can be that can be really frightening for people and it's it's not it's not you know, I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just a thing that can happen. Um, and so that's sometimes why people get stuck in this trap. But also people sometimes aren't ready to actually invest in making the changes that they need to actually move out of one behaviour um, that's not supporting their health into another because it does take effort and it does, t- it does mean that things change. You know, when we change our behaviour, often our relationships change and our interactions change. And, you know, we see this, don't we, a lot as NTs when people try to reduce the amount of alcohol they drink or try to cut down on junk food and, and they feel like they can't go out and socialise in the same way anymore. They, they really feel as though they're missing out. Um, and there's a huge pressure as well on us to, to drink and to, you know, eat, eat processed foods and to, you know, maybe go to certain restaurants and, and, eat certain things um and that can be enough to to stop some people from implementing the changes that would really help them Mm -hmm. and how much of an impact does our environment and our social circle have an effect on us on our behavior yeah oh it depends you see so um there's different theoretical models um of behavioral change um and some of them will dictate that it's hugely influential so it depends what we value. If we value certain relationships and certain um, systems, um, which might tell us what we can or should eat and drink or how we should behave, then we're more likely to modify our behavior to fit into that. So for example, if I was a smoker and I joined a group or a society or had a group of friends that I met that were really anti-smoking, but I really valued being with that group, then I'm more likely to try to stop smoking so that I'm accepted by them. However, if I don't really value them, they don't really mean anything to me. Or if the benefits of me smoking outweigh the benefit of what I think I'll get from that group, again, I'm not as likely to want to invest in changing. So there are different things um, that can influence us, definitely. Um, They don't always work for everyone, but they do for some people. You know, the biggest, the biggest, um, I would say motivator for change is is understanding that where you are is really not supporting you. 
and the pain of that has to be greater than you know the efforts that you put into change yeah and there's that quote as well um you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with yeah so yeah definitely environment in terms of because with my health history things like mold exposure were big so I'm always thinking environment um, sometimes even more so than what you're eating but environment Mm -hmm. in terms of air quality and the people that you're spending your time with because if you're again eating this perfect diet but you're in a toxic relationship or you are living in this stressful um, home with people, then you're just going to be in fight and flight mode constantly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Let me ask you a quick question. Where do you want to be in six months time? Do you want to be more energized, feeling comfortable in your skin again, excited for life because you finally started to see improvements with your health? Or do you want to still be frustrated and depressed because you're still struggling with symptoms that are taking over your life and stopping you from living to the full. If you want the first option, you have to do something different. After all, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again and expecting a different result. If you're currently DIYing your health, meaning trying to heal yourself through researching, trial and error, and wasting a lot of money and time in the process, then you could actually be sabotaging your results. Would you try and fix your car yourself if it was broke and you didn't know what was wrong with it? No. So why are you trying to do it all alone when it comes to your the most important thing that we have, which is your health? Trust me, actually asking for help and investing in yourself saves you time, money and a lot of stress in the long run. I know you're probably not getting any answers or support from your doctor. I've been there too. But that's why I created my six month root cause relief package. This one-to-one package offers the highest level of support and transformation because you'd be working closely with me to help identify and address underlying root causes of your health issues. Even if you're already eating healthily, taking some supplements, there's so much more to healing, so don't feel like you've tried everything. Let me help you figure out what's causing your stubborn symptoms which support and support your body in healing naturally, which in case no one has ever told you, is completely possible check out my website which is linked in the episode show notes for more info and there's also a link there to book in a free 20 minute enrollment call so that we can chat further about your unique situation and goals and see if it would be a good fit for us to work together if you've been looking for a sign this is it so in terms of how you work so let's say you have a new client everyone's different in terms of what tools you reach for but what would a typical introduction look like are you going all the way back to the the childhood traumas and uh like family history generational therapy anything like that so i don't take anyone back to any particular trauma ever 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 that's my that i would say that's my biggest rule and the thing that i stick with and why is that because some people that's all they do they're like right we need to do this in order for you to heal and move forward we need to address the past yeah I, because I've had a lot of clients that have been through that and have come to me and uh, feel like they're even worse than they were before they really went traumatized. Yeah. And I don't think you need that to heal anyway. Um, I think, you know, what I do generally is I try and understand why the person's come for a session with me. So that might be because, I don't know, they've got a behavioral pattern, like they're, 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 they've got low confidence, for example, or it might be because they've got a health issue. And then... Um, I try and ascertain the patterns that are going on that are connected to that. 
So that might look like me talking to them and taking um, a history for them, or it might look like more of an energy reading, depending on the person and what they want. Um, and often, if it's working somatically, I'll just get people to focus on what they're feeling at the moment. So it's more about emotional embodiment. It's more about feeling the feeling and processing it. So rather than re-traumatizing somebody and getting them to relive something, it's about trying to keep them in the present moment and supporting them to understand that they're safe where they are now and that they're no longer a child that is helpless, but they've they've got strengths and they are powerful and with help and support they can definitely you know change and things can get easier for them it's also about making people aware that they will never get rid of a hardwired pattern so if you're somebody that's been anxious for you know most of your life and that's something that you really um struggle with we don't want to make that wrong and we don't want to start saying to people right well we're going to get rid of that because that's almost making anxiety wrong and as soon as we make something wrong, we don't want to own it. And if we don't own something, we can't heal from it because we're not accepting it. That's a really good so, point. Um, yeah. And hardwired patterns, the neuronal pathways are, you know, they're so efficient and so fast that even when we're really conscious of our behavior and we have make considered responses to things, when we're triggered or when we're in a situation where we're fearful, we'll always jump back to our hardwired patterns because they're the things that saved us in the past. And so they're automatic and they're unconscious and they just come in. And yes, we might reflect afterwards and think, actually it would maybe have been better if I'd you know, responded in this way rather than reacted, but that's okay because I know that I was reacting because it's a protective response. And so the way that I work is really trying to encourage people to accept all the parts of themselves, even their reactivity and understand where it comes from. And actually it's not wrong. There's a reason that that's there. And it's there, it's, it's there because over time they've learned that, that that's protected them somehow. And people know when they're in person with someone, they can feel energy. So you can intuitively like see how the um, emotions are, the body language, how will that work online? Like how can the yeah. these messages come through and how can someone have the same healing benefits as being in a room with you? It's no different really, because um, again, I don't heal people, he people heal themselves. So I'm just helping people to kind of peel back the layers and understand why they are where they are and then offer them tools or guidance um, so that they can make changes to improve. So it's no different to doing NT online because you know, we're not healing people, we're just offering people a safe space and giving them tools. And sometimes, you know, with people, I think you kind of touched on this a few minutes ago, but, you know, with people that have been seeking and searching and been to lots of different people, sometimes they don't always want to be told what to do. They just want to be seen and they want to be heard and believed. Um, and that's a massive part of helping somebody on their healing journey is just is just witnessing them and just allowing them to really tell their story to you and not just have five minutes in a doctor's office and then yeah. handed antidepressants at the end of it yeah although or the birth control some, pill yeah yeah although for some people that's a mm. life raft and that's mm. part of their you know but yeah that's true and with the term somatic therapy 
how does that differ in terms of what people when when we talk about therapy people think of talk therapy things like Mm. cbt um that's typically if you are referred by the nhs the type of therapy that you're going to go down um but yeah what's somatic therapy and maybe some of the tools under that umbrella so it's it's more about processing your emotions and feeling your emotions and understanding the feelings in your body and what they're trying to relay to you so um you know with, with somebody that's got i don't know let's say anxiety or grief it might be about as we said rather than treat re-traumatizing them or asking them to explain why they feel that or what happened is to get them to describe what they're feeling can they give it a name where in their body is it you know you might take them through a process of asking them to visualize it and to explain what happens if they try and breathe into that area of their body is it changing you know do they feel that that um emotion or sensation whatever that they're um experiencing at that moment is changing as they breathe or is changing as they try and send compassion to it you know what might that try be trying to tell them at the moment so all of the time keeping somebody in the present moment and allowing them to work through the sensations and emotions that they've got in their body with the hope that then they begin to process them because that's what our emotions want they want witnessing so as soon as we kind of deny them or close them away put them in a box you know, they're actually just getting louder and screaming louder and louder and louder. Um, They're not going anywhere. So um, the best thing that we can do is actually to, you know, honour them and witness them and allow them to to move through us. What you resist persists. It's always stuck in my mind. Exactly that. It's so true. Mm -hmm. So when you're like trying to hold back the tears or anger, you want to obviously do it in a, a safe container and yeah. um, maybe have a little break before you go ahead, but it's really good to let that out and not suppress it because um, yeah, I've just been rereading the body keeps the score Ooh, yeah. a classic book um, on this subject that everyone should read. Um, but yeah, really important information. Mm. Um, and I'm a big fan of somatic therapy as well. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on meditation? or daily practices that people do, like journaling, um, tapping? Are you into any of those? Yeah, yeah, all of those. Um, I think horses for courses. So um, I'm not, I don't believe that, you know, meditation will save your life. I believe it can do for some people. And for other people, they just can't get on with it. Um, I think it's misunderstood. There's this, there's this kind of perception that when you meditate, you're kind of floating above yourself and you're completely disconnected. Um, and it's the way to reach enlightenment. Um, actually, meditation is just about becoming self-aware. It's about acknowledging which thoughts are entering your head and how busy your brain is and how your body feels rather than trying to cut yourself off from it because you know that's no different to kind of pushing all your emotions into a box and putting the lid on um I think daily practice is great but I'm a great believer in what do I feel like doing today do I feel like writing today do I feel like you know doing some breath work today do I feel like meditating today or just doing some mindfulness um practice um I don't see anything wrong with that they're all different ways of Um, inviting in stillness or quiet and connecting with your body and and that's what I would say we need more of is connection with our bodies and that could be considered intuitive just not having this rigid schedule like every morning I need to meditate for an hour 
Yeah. Um, so it's a more flowy way of doing it where you listen yeah. to what your body's telling you and have maybe a, a handful of things that you know work well and set your day up in a good way and then just choose in depending on how well you've slept or what mm. time of month it is or what you feel drawn to that day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I asked you before the call if there were any subjects that you want to cover and you put um, you wrote a few things so I want to touch on those now um, so I want to learn a little bit more too um, how to how we co-create our reality and I was just interested is this kind of a similar line to manifestation yes yeah, similar but again I feel like that's a little bit misunderstood. <laughs> so um, you know manifestation is not about kind of having a wish or a dream or a vision board although they can be part of it manifestation is how we um, bring our ideas into reality by feeling inspired and then um, putting those inspirations into creative form and then birthing them out into the world so you know having a vision board is great but unless you take the steps that you need to actually manifest whatever it is is on your vision board it's highly unlikely that it's going to happen and so co-creation yes is similar to that so we, we co-create through our patterns that we're in. So um, you gave a perfect example at the beginning when you were talking about your, your healing journey and you spoke about SIBO and feeling victimized. You know, so if we're in that pattern of victimization, we will look at the world through the lens of the victim because that's the pattern we're in. And we will, you know, see that life is happening at us and to us And we will often feel as though things are unfair and that, you know, we've got no control or little control over things no matter what we do. Um, But if we are looking through um, through the same events, but we've got the survivor archetype, the survivor pattern, we're looking at it through a different lens. And so we're more likely to see things as challenges that we can grow from and we can overcome. Um, So in that way, the pattern that we're in dictates how we per- perceive things are going on in the world and, and our perception then influences our patterns and behaviours and our thoughts and beliefs even more. Um, I just want to add quickly to that, that um, I feel like the victim archetype gets a really bad rap. The vi- you know, we all feel victimised at times and actually we need that. It's a protective pattern because the victim alerts us to danger and helps to keep us safe if we didn't have that then we would all go through through life taking ridiculous risks and you know not having any form of um security filter um it's only when a pattern we get stuck in a pattern um and it affects us in a way that's not supportive and we can't move out of it that it doesn't benefit us so if you know if we were you know stuck in that pattern of feeling victimized for years and years and years and years and years again we are unlikely to heal because often the victim has an external locus of control and is looking for somebody else to kind of give them the answers or to make things okay, um, rather than having that internal locus of control and kind of realising, oh, well, actually, maybe I'm unwell because I'm living in a house that's mouldy and maybe I'm well because actually I'm you know, putting chemicals into my body. Um, and so you know our patterns definitely I think help us to co-create our reality so no pattern is good or bad 
No pattern is good or bad. That and what are the, how many are there? So these are like archetypal patterns? In, okay. infinite, infinite numbers. What so. are the most, can you list like five? You mentioned a few of them as we yeah, go yeah. on. Can you list like five of them most commonly? So we've got, um, we've got survival archetypes that help us to manage our safety and our value when we're um, children. And they're the, um, they're the child archetype, the victim archetype, um, the, the saboteur archetype and also the prostitute archetype. So these, these archetypes um, manage our resources um, according to some teachers. And then there's infinite numbers. So the ones that I see really clearly are things like the people pleaser and the rescuer, the healer, um, the codependent. Um, yeah, there's absolutely hundreds. You know, the mother's an archetype, you know, um, the NT is an archetype. So any, any, the the way to figure out what your archetype is is to look at look at your patterns so what am i doing that fits into a certain kind of name or label of an archetype and you know some archetypes we don't use anymore you know we don't have particularly have damsels we don't have knights you know we don't we don't particularly have, you know we don't have witches we don't have things like that but we have newer archetypes that that come in so more modern archetypes all the time are always evolving but the old ones dis don't disappear it's just that we don't use them anymore makes sense and you mentioned SIBO I can't remember what was the energetic connection with that so I was just saying that um you know I I had tennis elbow which was on on my small intestine meridian but but SIBO is generally sits in your kind of third energy center. So that would be your solar chakra, which is your center of self-esteem. It's mm -hmm. about honoring yourself and having good boundaries. Yeah. It's about it's about I, your sense of self um, and also where your power center is. So if we violate our boundaries, if we people please a lot, if we've got low confidence, low self-esteem, it will often show up. You know, if you've got harsh inner critic and negative self-talk that kind of thing it will often show up in this area of our bodies in some sort of you know any any of the organs or muscles or joints that underlie that area and I love what you said off when we before we started recording um how leaky gut can be linked to leaky boundaries yeah That's yeah so cool yeah yeah what about so the the main symptoms that my clients have are going to be some combination of digestive stuff so we've just covered that um, what about hormonal fertility period problem issues? Mm. I'm guessing in terms of the chakra system, is that the sacral chakra? And that yeah. To yeah. In that area? Yeah. So no chakra works in isolation because it's just like your body and it's holistic. So, you know, you look at it all and often there'll be several that, you know, kind of aren't in balance, just like your body systems. Um, but yeah, the sacral chakra, which is our center of feeling, so if you don't feel safe in your body, if you don't feel believe the way that you feel um, is accepted. So, for example, if you've been shamed for feeling a certain way, if you are particularly around um, sexuality and sex. So if you have been brought up to not have sex outside of the marriage, but you have or if you have been brought up that same sex relationships are wrong, but actually you're really attracted to the same sex, but you, you know, you feel that you can't actually live like that. Those are going to show up as these sorts of um, issues in that sacral chakra. Things like um, not being, not feeling confident to birth your creations into the world. So sometimes being a perfectionist, um, creating things and then destroying them and never sharing them out in the world 
could share could show up here. Um, also, boundary violation because your small intestine and your large intestine are also in the sacral chakra. Um, any any um, violations to do with your sexuality, so that might be um, ancestral, cultural, you know, patriarchal beliefs, or, or um, men who feel emasculated, or, or any of those kind of things can show up in this area. Um, abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, that kind of thing can show up in this area as well. And what about skin stuff? That's another common yeah. complaint that people have, whether it's acne, eczema, psoriasis. Yeah. Um, what would you stop? What would you be thinking of with those? So the skin relates to the root chakra. Um, and so I would be thinking, well, the root chakra is about um you know, your right to be here and, and your connection to other people. So the tribe, so all is one, everyone is equal. It's also um, uh, one of your kind of foundational archetypes. So if you if you feel scared or if you feel as though you're not valued or accepted by your tribe, that can show up with um, skin issues. But they're slightly more complex so things on the face like acne your face is how you face the world it's like your your confidence in showing yourself to the world so sometimes you know acne uh, can show up in puberty when we're going through massive transitions when we're learning about relating to the opposite sex or starting to individuate more and to stand in our power and we can develop lots of confidence issues around that which you know can show up on our face. Um, I see eczema and psoriasis a lot in people who overgive and who um, have resentment to that. So they do things for other people, but they don't really want to. Um, and we forget that the skin's a boundary. So, you know, boundary issues as well. So um, yeah, people that people that are maybe pupil pleasers, but are exhausted by it and irritated by by doing it but don't actually kind of stand up for themselves and put a boundary in place yeah that's so cool and am i right there's there's a few more chakras are there any more that you really want to cover um so there's like the, i think there's like crown chakra, I mean, chakra i'd say that um you might you know you touched on it the people that um go around from one practitioner to another practitioner seeking advice but they don't actually always kind of implement what what they're given and that that can often be the seeker archetype which is associated with the with the crown chakra and um, sometimes the third eye chakra and that's about you know wanting to seek for information and seek for the truth um, but what happens is is if we're ungrounded we don't actually embody that truth and we don't we don't actually make practical use of it so we keep flitting from one person to the other person for advice and so these people often um, would benefit from being grounded and from coming into their body and listening to their body and 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 um you know having the confidence to trust themselves and to try one of the things that they've been offered i just know people are going to be listening along now they're like yep that's me we just <laughs> called them out <laughs> <laughs> so this is your sign if this is you like make make some changes and implement some of the hundreds of different recommendations that you've been given just start with something but then definitely tune inwards and start listening to yourself more than other people's opinions yeah another thing on the list of subject um suggestions that you had was accessing alternate states of consciousness, including the use of psychedelics. I interviewed Alex Manos, 
um, who I know you've spoken to as well. Uh, this was a few years ago now, maybe last year. And he had an experience. I think he traveled to Amsterdam or somewhere in Europe and went through a psychedelic experience. So I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to hear more. But have you experienced the use of psychedelics or what have you been learning about and how can they yeah. help us with healing? So I'm doing, I'm currently doing a course, a year long course in um, altered states of consciousness and psychedelics, which, you know, covers everything from um, yoga and breath work and meditation and ecstatic dance and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and the use of psychedelics in, in Western culture and indigenous tribes um, and looking at research into how psychedelics might be supportive um, in, in, in people's health journeys. And so my research that I'm going to be doing soon is looking at um, neurodiverse people, so people with um, Asperger's and um, their experience of using psychedelics in relation to social anxiety because that's something that I'm really interested in um, and and I've absolutely loved diving into it it's just absolutely mind-blowing and uh, phenomenal and I think you know psychedelics are really misunderstood um, I think with anything there's risks there's risks to meditation you know if you spend a long time meditating and you become very ungrounded you can have a spiritual emergency which is basically can be confused for um, psychosis, can be confused for mental health issues, um, but they're treated slightly differently. And so um, a spiritual emergency can be treated with um, non, without medication, whereas um, an actual psychosis normally needs um, medication and different types of therapies to help the person to um, recover. Um, and I think that, you know, we can't say that there's absolutely no risk to psychedelics because of course there's got to be a risk because there's a risk with everything that we do, but um, they were definitely missing, mis kind of uh, interpreted and, and probably abused somewhat back in the sixties, which is why they got prohibited. But, you know, there's lots of research going on now all over the world. Um, and we know that people have amazing, amazing, um, you know, um, experiences um, after using psychedelics. And often it's not actually the psychedelic that causes any issues. It's, it's a lack of integration after the person has had um, a psychedelic experience, like a lack of integration if somebody has had um, a non-psychedelically induced mystical experience, such as they've meditated and, and feel that they've you know, had this uh, mystical experience, which is characterized by kind of feelings of oneness. And sometimes um, um, they have a noetic quality and feeling that maybe God is talking to them or that, you know, they kind of know everything and, and, and completely connected to nature, for example. Um, and it's all about how we integrate, integrate experiences after um, that really has that profound effect on whether somebody is going to be able to have a beneficial effect from the psychedelics. And they've also contributed to our understanding of the psyche and of consciousness in, in huge ways, which we would never have understood had we not had, um, you know, this experience with psychedelics um, years and years ago. And that is, that is, is re-emerging. And, it, and it's why some of the... Um, you know, indigenous cultures and tribes have a completely different 
um, approach to healing and um, attitude towards consciousness and towards spirituality because they've grown up using medicinal plants and they've grown up um, experiencing the transpersonal, which is where we do encounter states outside of ourselves that are, um, I suppose, uh, not not everyday encounters so it would include things like um alien alien experiences or you know um meeting something greater than ourselves um connecting with um connecting with nature so nature um nature relatedness communing with plants that kind of thing feeling that the actual plant medicine is talking to them guiding them and and giving them messages and um, this is all normal to, to, you know, some tribes in some parts of the world, whereas in the West, you know, we're not very open to this kind of idea. We, you know, we're not even kind of open to really um, expanding our consciousness or, or being open to the fact that consciousness exists outside of ourselves. You know, we're still in this debate about what consciousness is. We're very stuck in our ways. Yeah, <laughs> and I, it's honestly like fascinating to me I would love to at some point try some psychedelics and experience that but I think you need to feel like ready I still feel a little bit apprehensive and I've been told like if it's not 100% yes then just hold off um is it something that you've experienced before yeah yeah are you, are you okay sharing your experience um yeah so um go into as much detail as you'd like <laughs> <laughs> so I have had a few experiences yeah with um ayahuasca mm -hmm. and with um mushrooms um particularly um so those are the those are the two main types of psychedelics that um I've experienced um and yeah I've had lots of different different kind of experiences on them really um I haven't particularly ever had a really difficult experience although sometimes it's the more difficult experiences that bring the most benefit afterwards yeah. if they're integrated properly um but I would say that you know they've ranged from me just laughing a lot and and feeling very open and loving and wanting to connect with people to me having lots of visuals that afterwards have unfolded in events in my life. So, you know, people that take, have used psychedelics, there, there's a correlation between that and certain things like um, um, precognitive experiences and um, certain psi kind of experiences like clairvoyance and, and clairaudience and um, telepathy and that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, there's so much we don't know. There's so much we don't know. So um, I think we're learning. And of course, we've got all these trials going on at the moment, looking at the use of, um, you know, there's one at the moment, there's a trial to do with um, psilocybin and anorexia. So can can psilocybin help support um, people with anorexia? There's been numerous ones with psilocybin and depression and some good documentaries on Netflix about that. Um, OCD um, you know so there's there's lots of different things and lots of studies that show that people with terminal illnesses like um, cancer there's been a few trials in cancer patients that taking a high dose of psychedelics has actually really significantly reduced their um, anxiety of death and dying so you know I think if we can use them in these um, really supportive ways to help people then it can't be a bad thing
And can you remember the names of the documentaries? Just so I can link them. Have you got oh, any examples? I can send them after. I can. I, I can. Link them. I can. I can have a look. One yeah. was on Netflix. Um, oh, yeah. was it um, the Michael Polk? Did he do? No, How to Change Your Mind. Yeah. No, it wasn't that one. Okay. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but it, it was a study that was done at Imperial, and then they they kind of followed a few of the um, subjects mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't, really see, can't wait to see the research. Yeah, what comes I mean, from that, but it's already changing lives, isn't it? Yeah, there's so much research. You just go on Google Scholar and mm-hmm. and and type in psychedelics and health, and you'll get a whole load of um, research. And why do you think the allopathic medical system is so open to that, but also like not really open to other things in the the wellness world, so to speak? Um, I, I think there's a lot of caution around it. And I think, you know, I don't want to sound, <laughs> I don't want to sound like, um, I'm kind of, you know, being negative or, or, or kind of, you know, um, dis allopathic medicine, because I think, uh, it's a miracle. And I do think that it has its place, um, just like natural medicine does. I mean, if you break your arm or, you know, you have a heart attack you're not going to go meditate mm-hmm. or sit with a you know um don't um, come to us go <laughs> on your leg are you yeah. going to go to a and e you know so mm-hmm. let's 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 be honest and open about this um i think one of the reasons is they know they can monetize it and that yeah. makes i was sad. just thinking like they like even something as simple as magnesium, there could be so many other studies and yeah. recommendations for that. And diets, people are still being told yeah. your diet has no impact on your belt yeah. disease. So I'm thinking, why are they? There must be something going on if they're yeah. like actively studying psychedelics so so yeah. thoroughly. Yeah. So what they're doing at the moment is they're looking at pseudodelics, mm. which is making a psychedelic that's not psychedelic. Yeah. Like doing what they did with other drugs, just like so. Surely that's an antidepressant. <laughs> Yeah, taking the whole plant and then isolating exactly particular nutrients and, and, so that they can like yeah. patent it and sell it. Exactly, and yeah. actually, you know, I think you need the whole, yeah. you know, um, rather than a part. <laughs> Even with something like turmeric, people hear of the active compound curcumin, yeah. but the whole turmeric plant has so many other antioxidants exactly. and benefits if you take it as nature designed. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, well, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, that doesn't surprise me. Um, so to finish up, I want to ask you a few questions about you, just so the audience can get to know you a little bit more before we finish up. So the first thing is, um, is there a product that you couldn't live without? It could be some sort of supplement, herb, Ooh. appliance, gadget. Do you know, I don't actually know. It's probably my phone because <laughs> I, um, I just, I love the way that I can send an email on it, mm. access my website. Yep. I can I can do a lot of my work from my phone and I can keep in touch with my friends yeah. so no, it truly um, is like amazing yeah I'm trying to not well, be on mine as much I know yeah I found if you just put it on do not disturb the yeah. whole time it's great yeah um but what I don't know really I think probably books but mm-hmm. I couldn't name a particular book mm-hmm. um I just I'm constantly buying books but you know I've got a pile about this yeah, I'm the same read. I'm like reading that uh, five at once yeah yeah <laughs> I, I I I think that actually there's very little that we actually need that we couldn't live without mm-hmm. so I can't actually name anything yep. really yep <laughs> next question is something that you're into lately so any other research or again like documentaries 
so I just started to watch um, Nine Perfect Strangers, which I didn't know had anything to do with psychedelics. All right. But it is about, so Nicole Kidman's yep. in it. Um, have you seen it? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it came out last year or something. It's kind of funny. You're on that retreat kind of like, This isn't yeah, yeah. really how psychedelics work. <laughs> no. But, you know, I'm not sure they're being portrayed in a great way, to be honest. They're like but climbing I, yeah. trees and stuff and yeah. like, what is going on? But it's one of those I'm like, I've watched three episodes in one night. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm hooked on this. I did watch the whole thing. Word of warning, I'm not a fan of the ending. Like, I didn't really oh, know, like, what's really? going on. So, really? yeah, you okay. might agree. Like, unless I miss something, I'm like, okay, that was a bit of a letdown. Okay. Um, but I, the, the lead up was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, but I don't know if there's going to be a season two or anything. But I, I did enjoy watching that personally okay. as well. Um, is there a final message or words so if you like kind of sense what people need to hear or maybe a summary of the episode today what would you like to share I just think um, the main thing is to know that it, it, try and connect with your body more because your body is always trying to guide you it's always supporting you so even when we think it's not when we you know we've got this this kind of way of thinking we're broken or our body's not working but actually whatever your body is doing it's doing because it's trying to keep you going it's trying to support you and it's trying to give you a message um and so I think leaning into that rather than into you know there's something that I need to fix about myself or there's something broken is a much nicer and softer way of approaching your health journey than believing that there's a part of you that is faulty or wrong um so that would be that would be the thing that I would say and is to spend more time really listening to your emotions and the sensations you get in your body and spending some time maybe writing around those and journaling around those and thinking well what could this be trying to tell me because until we start doing that and connecting and getting curious we don't start to learn because we're not taught it in school Mm -hmm. we're taught to listen to everyone else exactly <laughs> and we have to raise our hand to go to the bathroom yeah <laughs> and ask for yeah. permission yeah I really agree with that and it's something that I wish I learned at the start of my healing journey because I spent so much time on the physical not enough on the energetic emotional so if anyone's listening like take our advice and start looking into the, some of this stuff because it obviously honestly can move the needle um, mm. massively when it comes to healing but I thought that was a perfect summary um, a perfect way to finish up very last question though is where can people find more from you online um your services are you on social media how can someone work with you if they're interested okay um so i've got a website which is claredoherty.co.uk and um i do have a practitioner course actually which is starting in march and i'm i'm recruiting for that already the doors are open if people want to register um and that basically teaches people how to read patterns and how to relate that to health issues so um, I teach anyone so you don't have to already be a practitioner in something I can you know I've got people at the moment that are all from all sorts of different backgrounds um, so that's on my website that's a 12-month course and you and it's certified it's accredited and approved by two different um, bodies so you can get insurance as well to use it in practice um, and I also do one-to-one coaching, which you can, um, you know, you can work with me. I've got various packages there on my website. 
I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. It's just my name, Claire Doherty. And I'm on Instagram. And I can never remember my handle. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Claire Doherty underscore alchemist. I okay. Think. I will find it and I will link it. So don't worry. It will be in the show notes for anyone who's interested. And I'm sure there's gonna be many people who because you're doing you're doing all sorts of things and you have so many like different tools to to reach from and depending on the person which i love you're not stuck in one certain lane you are very holistic as a practitioner which i absolutely adore and it was lovely chatting with you and i'm glad we got to connect as well as practitioners and i will be referring people on to you um so yeah thank you for joining us on the podcast today and yeah thank you for sharing your message thanks so much for having me I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review on your podcast app, as this helps to support the show and it allows it to reach more people with this valuable information. Come and say hi over on Instagram. I'm at Viva Natural Health. And if you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for tons more free resources and to discover how I could support you further. I currently offer one-on-one consultation packages if you want my top-level support, then more affordable group programs and self-paced online courses. So there really is something for everyone. If you're ready to change and get some answers but aren't sure which option would be best, take that first step today and apply for a free enrollment call on my website and we'll discuss the best steps for you to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you back here next week for another episode.